mindfulness mode. The amount of love, success, and happiness in this world are infinite. And so imagine how much love, success, and happiness we could all have together if we all decided to put humans first. Hey, Mindful Tribe, we're here today to talk about the four-day work week and how mindfulness is connected to this whole idea of living a life that feels good, a living a life where we give ourselves time to refresh and regenerate and not burn out. You know, we, we give ourselves an opportunity to live a life that we enjoy. And I'm here with the guy that can help us understand this, how we can achieve it, how we can uh, make this actually happen in our lives and in the lives of, well, maybe you have some employees or family members. You can help them with these ideas. I'm here today with Rob Krechak. Rob, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. Absolutely, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me. Really grateful for the opportunity to chat. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure to talk to you. So where did you get to the point, Rob? Well, before I'm going to ask this question, I'm going to ask you, what does mindfulness mean to you? Yeah, um, well, that's a really good question. And sort of the area of study that I say that I am helping people with is technology mindfulness. So Mm -hmm. to me, mindfulness is being aware of uh, the things and the... um, parts of your life that are serving you well and the ones that aren't and then you know possibly changing your behavior to you know make your life better oh that makes sense so where did you get to the point where you help people with this whole idea of the four-day work week yeah so you know what's interesting is the the five-day work week that we're currently you know most people are in (laughs) that's a uh a topic that's started in 1926 with Henry Ford, right? And so we're literally at almost a century of having this practice in our workplace, yet look at everything that's changed in the last century. I mean, it's obviously an extreme amount of change. And so, you know, it's I started asking this question, like, why do we have to be working five days a week, right? Why couldn't we be working four days a week accomplish the same amount of stuff, get the same pay, and then spend more time with our friends and family. And I know that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, hear this and like, that's impossible. And I get that that sounds impossible, but there's many, many, many examples that we can chat about in detail if you want about how this is possible. Um, You know, and I really think this is kind of the next iteration of work because people are more stressed and more burned out than they have ever been in the United States. And this is the antidote for that. Yeah, and you live in the United States, don't you? Where are you from? Absolutely. My wife and I, um, we live in Chicago, and I'm originally from Milwaukee, so pretty close there as well. Midwest boy. Well, okay. Well, I talk to people from all over the world, and I get the impression that there are a lot of people in Europe and Germany and different different countries where they – have a lot more downtime from their jobs and they they're here there and everywhere they're traveling around Europe and going on trips and vacations and and so on do you feel that that's the truth oh absolutely you know when I was in school uh in university I studied for an entire semester in Madrid and one of my majors was Spanish and so I you know lived in Europe for six months and uh I really think that the culture there is very different. Um, You know, and speaking of the four-day work week in Europe, so uh, there's a nonprofit called Four-Day Week Global, and their whole purpose is to champion the four-day work week. And um, they launched a pilot in the UK uh, for a bunch of companies to go through this first cohort to test this concept. Uh And in one week after launching the pilot in the UK, they had over 700 companies apply. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
So I do think that um, I think it's a little bit slower uh, a rate of adoption than the United States. But I think in five years, if you're not on a four day work week, you're going to be left behind. I think it's going to be like remote work is now. Wow, that's really interesting that you think there's going to be such a well, like relatively quick change around that we'll get to that. What do you think is causing us to move quicker in that direction than we like you already told us that for almost a century we've been stuck. So now we're going to change in five years or so. Why do you think that's happening? Um, because, you know, and the data is very clear. Um, both relative to our own history and relative to other countries, the United States workers are the most burned out that we have mm -hmm. ever been. And so what's happening is how, and, and this is just my personal belief, right, about this, what I'm about to say is I believe that how and how much we're using technology is the root cause of not all of that, but a lot of that. And mm -hmm. what's happening is people just simply can't, they cannot, uh, mentally take working like this forever like it, it it's not possible for people and and this the the burnout is just too great i i actually just talked to someone yesterday who said that in the accounting profession which you know accounting is going to be here now and 100 years from now because it's always going to be needed but people are leaving that profession because the burnout is just so great that they can't take it and i i think that that is really happening to a lot of jobs and people just need some other something else they need more time with their family or more time away from work to regenerate and to to rest and digest and and to really enjoy what their 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 life instead of being working all the time and being stressed out all the time so i'm curious about how you enjoy your life because i understand you're a thrill seeker what kind of thrills do you like to seek yeah. Um, so my wife and I love to travel. We actually just took a, a two and a half week trip to Europe to visit um, her sister who just got married in Greece. So we really enjoy nice. that. I like working out a lot. I like extreme sports. You know, I've done skydiving, scuba diving, things like that, para, paragliding or hang gliding, things like that. Um, you know, I just really like to, one of the, my life tenants is to experience everything life has to offer. And I want to, I don't want to die on my life, on my deathbed and wonder, you know, what if, what if I had tried this thing? No, I don't yeah. have to worry about that. For sure. Well, what's life like in Greece? Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Um, so Santorini, Greece is, I mean, it's really one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. I, I visited 22 countries in the world, and that is absolutely one of the most gorgeous. Um, it's basically like the scene out of a movie where you look out the window and there's this beautiful mix of mountains and ocean. And it's really unlike almost anywhere else in the world. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. And, uh, you know, my wife and I were really grateful that we got to spend time with family there and have uh, uh, see her sister get married. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And I've heard from other people how beautiful it is there. Would you ever consider moving there? Well, it's it's funny you say that. So my wife and I were talking about, you know, when we have kids, what what where where could we potentially live maybe for the summer, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the places that we had actually talked about on the trip to Europe was moving to Madrid or or Barcelona for a summer because I would love if our kids would speak Spanish and I really love the Spanish culture and she did too and so that that to me might be a place where we would consider, but I also would certainly consider Santorini because it was absolutely beautiful as well. Wow. And so Tell me about the mindfulness of learning a second language. Do you think there is a level of mindfulness related to that? Because you sound like you really enjoy knowing Spanish. 
Oh yeah. I, you know, I, um, what, you know, ever since I studied Spanish starting in middle school, I just always thought it was neat to be able to communicate in another language, you know, like yeah. there's just something about that I thought was cool, but I'll tell you. So I learned more about Spanish in six months of studying abroad than I did in all the years of schooling combined. And I really think that one of the things that I did was about a month into the trip, I decided, you know what, I am here to learn Spanish and to get as much out of this experience as possible. And so I am going to dedicate myself to just learning as much as I can and only speak in Spanish, even with my American friends. And so yeah. I was very mindful and deliberate about that. And I also took around a notebook and wrote down vocabulary words that I learned every day. And uh, I think it was because I was so mindful about using my Spanish, even with my American friends, that I ended up learning a ton more after that first month when I switched to all Spanish. And it really, I, there's still some, you know, a lot of vocabulary words that I remember today because of all the stuff that I wrote down as well. Oh, that's really cool that you did that. My wife and I took our family to, and we have one son. We went to Medellin, Colombia. Yes, and been there spent well, time beautiful. there. That have you been there? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. beautiful, and most people speak Spanish there, and it's just just a, an amazing place to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how old was your son when you when you took uh, the trip with him? He was eighteen. Oh, nice. I feel like that's a perfect age where, you know, he yeah. can probably be independent, but he still can pick up language pretty easily and just understand the culture. That's really cool. Yeah, totally. It was so much fun. Yeah, we had a great time. So, yeah. So you have a website that is, uh, I'm just I'm just scrolling here. Your website is uh, humansfirst.us. Tell us what we can expect to find at, at your website. Yeah, so my website has some uh, information about my process in terms of how I take companies from a five-day work week to a four-day work week. It also has some stuff about myself, which honestly made me a little bit uncomfortable when my uh, website branding company asked me to put that on there because I'm laughing because my uh, the person I was working with, Lauren, there and and the the company is Phil Palin. They did such an amazing job. She's like, okay, now I want you to send me a list of all your accomplishments in an email. Don't worry, this is a safe space. And so I sent them to her, and then I didn't realize that a week later all that stuff was going to be on the website. Uh, so that was a little uncomfortable for me, but uh, I'm I'm at peace with that now. Um, yeah, and so it has, um, and also there's a, a section on the website. Uh, if you go to the very bottom, and it says on the footer, there's a site uh, website that says data. And if you click on the data, it's a, a one pager about all the statistics for the four day work week and how, you know, basically almost everything that you can measure when you transition to a four day work week improves in the right direction, including profit per employee, which can increase by 14 and a half percent, at least by one of the examples on the website. Wow, cool. Yeah, I, I found some pretty interesting things on the website about how you you got your first job at Wall Street and you, you became very successful and you you just really, after a while, realized that you still weren't happy in spite of the fact that you could buy a lot of things that you wanted to buy. And then you invested in some fitness clubs and some other kinds of stores and stuff. So you've had a pretty interesting life, haven't you? Just checking out different things and figuring out what makes you happy. And now you've settled into to just kind of making other people happy, it sounds like. Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that, Bruce. And yeah, I guess, um, you know, I'm a nine-time entrepreneur and other people have called me a serial entrepreneur and I I don't really, it, that doesn't really internalize for me for some reason, but I guess that's true. And 
I don't know. I, I really like, uh, I like different things. I, I have very different interests. You know, my careers were sort of uh, business slash finance, health and fitness, and then technology. And now I'm sort of combining all of those with my current company, Humans First, which is why I'm excited to share this with people. And, you know, my ultimate goal for Humans First is that if we can just be a little bit more mindful about how we use technology and spend just a little bit less time on it and a little bit more time with the people that we care about the most, I really believe that that's what the world needs and that's it, and it would be a, a much better place. I really believe that. Oh, yeah, I think you're right for sure. Yeah. So how do you think we can change the way we use technology to become more mindful? Because, you know, a lot of people I ask, hey, what apps do you use to be more mindful? And a lot of people say, well, I don't use any apps. I shut off my phone, you know, and that can help us to be more mindful. But how can we embrace technology without it grabbing us and causing us to be less mindful? Yeah, well, I really, uh, that's a really good question, Bruce. And I guess the first thing that I, you know, and a, a big part of the, what I do with Humans First is just help people become aware of things, right? So mm-hmm. here's one thing that I'll help people become aware of. In America, and this is a statistic from before COVID, so you can't say like, oh, COVID skewed this because this was before COVID. In America, the average person spends 12 hours and 21 minutes a day in front of screens and media. That's three quarters of our waking lives, 12 hours and 21 minutes a day. And so, unfortunately, humans aren't first in our world anymore. And that's why I named the company Humans First, is it's a reminder that the most love and joy and success and and, and, and uh, meaning in our lives comes from being with and connecting with other people, not technology. And so it does sound kind of counterintuitive, but um, I believe that what gets measured gets managed. And so I do look at the screen time app on my phone that gives me a notification once a week and tells me how much time I've spent on my phone okay. because I'm trying to manage that number down. I'm trying to reduce that as much as possible. And, um, you know, for me personally, I've found that Getting to about an hour and a half per day uh, of screen time on my phone is a very manageable number that allows me to run my business and do a few other things, but not take up so much time that I'm, you know, not spending time with my wife or having coffee with people that I care about and things like that. So do you spend less than four days a week on your business? So um, right now, I if you average it out, including like all my vacations and other things, yeah, I spend less than four days a week, absolutely. And you know, I really think that um, that's something that's important for me to to uh, you know have a day to rejuvenate or read or do something else. And but there are some points, to be honest, where I'm I am working five days a week. It just really depends on the demands of the business and what's happening. So. I, I like to try to maintain a certain level of flexibility and also make sure I do a good job servicing clients. So, you know, I I, um, I do the best I can. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it's a four-day week and sometimes it's five and that's okay. I don't beat myself up over that. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Tell, tell us the story of some of the companies that you've helped to, trans, to transition to this place where their employees work a four-day week. Yeah, well, I have a, a, not only a, a client, but a friend of mine, uh, Michael, and he owns a digital marketing company and um, digital marketing agency. And he's, um, you know, he was kind of struggling with how to grow the business and how to run some of the parts of the business. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started working with him in, in less than six months time. Uh, I was able to help him triple the profitability of his business while he ended up working about 
uh, one third of the amount of time that he used to. And so now he's basically traveling around the world. He's in Thailand right now uh, running his digital marketing agency and, uh, you know, enjoying his life. Right. And he's doesn't plan on coming back to the United States anytime soon. And uh, I'm really happy for him. And I'm grateful that he has that opportunity. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that are possible if you're just open minded and are willing to try to do things a little bit differently. Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to ask you, Rob, if you have a story about bullying. I always ask a question about this on my show. Do you have a story where bullying uh, maybe happened, but mindfulness might have made a difference if if you had understood mindfulness more at that point? Oh, man, this is a very, uh, yeah, this is a very, very personal topic for me, Bruce, because I actually was bullied all the time um, in uh, oh. elementary school. So what happened was we had a bus driver who was very elderly and he basically just didn't care about what happened on the bus because he was like at the end of his career and he just didn't give a crap. Right. And so he there was basically no enforcement of anything on the bus. And so as a kid, I I, I was I don't look like I do today. I know you can't really see my full, you know, uh, like a full frame, but. I was a very, very skinny kid who, you know, was very um, not uh, not outgoing. I wasn't very mm-hmm. self-confident. And my the, the other though kind of part of this equation was my dad was a high school vice principal. And so, oh. you know, being a vice principal, there was always an emphasis on education. But he also would always say, you know, don't fight back and don't do anything if someone does something to you. Mm. And I, I understand why he said that. But basically then what happened is I was bullied on the bus all the time. Kids would take my jacket and smear it on the ground during winter when it was all, you know, snowy out and and dirty on the bus. One kid even lit my hair on fire with a lighter on the bus, you know, and uh, that was a very, you know, that was, that was pretty tough for me because my, I basically, my dad, my parents told me don't do anything. And, you know, and again, like I understand why they did that, but uh, I wish I had the tools that I do now in terms of how to process that or deal with it or, uh, you know, just approach that situation differently. But as a kid in you know elementary school, like you don't really have those tools in your sure. toolbox. No, but, you don't. Um, but you know that makes me feel very, um, you know, uh, just very protective of people who are bullied today because now I'm yeah. in a in a position where you know I'm physically bigger than ninety eight percent of the humans on Earth uh, just because I've worked out for twenty five years and and so. Yeah. I, you know, I want to make sure that people don't get picked on because I, I, I don't want people to go through what I went through. Very interesting. So what would you tell your own child if they uh, were receiving some of the treatment that you talked about, maybe on the bus or somewhere? What would you tell them to do? Yeah, well, my, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if my parents would agree with this, but my, <laughs> but my wife and I have discussed it, and we would tell them to fight back. Like if someone hits yeah. you, you freaking hit them harder back, honestly, because you know what, this world isn't fair, and you know, no one, you know, like let's if you're an adult and someone hits you, you you can't always just run and tell someone. Sometimes you just got to stick up for yourself, and the you know the world is a tough place, and so. Uh, we want to teach our kids to be tough from a young age. And I'm not saying that the kids, our son or daughter should just go and get in fights. But, you know, I do think like having uh, self-respect and boundaries for yourself, I think is really important. And we don't want to teach our kids to, to have that. And hey, if our kid gets in trouble in school because they hit back, I'd be like, as long as you didn't hit first, great. Like I will stand behind you a hundred times out of a hundred if you do that. Right. And would you have your kids in, enrolled in martial arts or anything like that? 
Oh, totally. I would, um, as a kid, I, um, did some sessions in karate, not too many, but a handful. And then I also did a called like, um, uh, combat karate, which is like street karate, basically like for self-defense. If someone attacked you and you know, like your life was in danger. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that the martial arts are an incredible way to not only get exercise, but also just from a practical standpoint to have some, um, you know, uh, self-defense tactics in case something happens to you. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's probably true, and I know a lot of people that have uh, enrolled their children in martial arts of one description or another, and it can be can be really a confidence builder for a lot totally. of totally. Yeah did did you ever do martial arts at all, Bruce? No, or? no, I never did. But I have a friend that does jujitsu, and oh. uh, he just absolutely loves it. And and I'm intrigued nice. because I think wow, that's that's pretty cool because he gets a lot of focus from doing his jiu-jitsu and it really seems to keep him on track yeah and i do think um you know like this is related but sort of a separate comment in that i do think there's a lot of value in having a physical hobby right like a physical Mm -hmm. you know where you're doing something physical whether it's a sport or like painting or clay or whatever you know i i think the human mind is designed to you know have this physical presence in a physical world and i i I think that we um get more uh stress relief out of doing things physically than something that might be for instance on the computer or something like that oh i agree and and speaking of stuff that's artistic do you have stuff in your life that sort of feeds that artistic side of you (laughs) <laughs> uh i'm laughing because because i um let's see uh i have like negative music ability like i can't even play the recorder without getting upset because it's it's so hard for me my wife and i don't like to cook because it's just uh nothing ever turns out well <laughs> and i can't really sing either or do anything like that so uh, I'm not super good at those things, but I do just like to exercise as a as a hobby or as like a I, I don't want to call it a creative outlet because exercising isn't like creative, but um, it is something that I is a physical thing that I like. And I do like to, though, uh, program workouts or, you know, like I write the workout uh, and, 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 and then do it myself or for other people. And that in a way, it sounds kind of weird, but is sort of a way of, uh, like a, 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 a creative thing, uh, related mm-hmm. to exercise for me. Well, tell me a little more about that. How do you do that? How do you, how do you cre- create a workout? Um, so if it's for me, you know, what I would do is look at, okay, the first thing I want to look at is how long, what's my intended stimulus for the workout? Is it like, oh, I'm, I'm in targeting like a 30 or 40 minute workout. And so, you know, if that's the case, then I have to structure it a little bit differently. So it's not as intense because, mm-hmm. you know, generally longevity and intensity are inversely related in a workout. So I would first determine how long I want the workout to be. And then I would use, I usually actually try to program things that I'm not good at things that I need okay. work on because then I can get better at those things. Everyone yeah. always wants to do the things that they're good at, but that really doesn't help you grow as a person. Um, and then the last thing is I just also try to assess where am I going to do this workout or how much equipment do I have? And mm-hmm. so I kind of combine all those things together to, to make the workout what it needs to be. Well, that's pretty cool. Do you go to a gym or do you have a home gym or where do you do this? 
Uh, so my we we my wife and I have a gym in our apartment building, but then we also, which is pretty nice. But then we live right across the street from a super nice. It's like a mega gym, um, you know. And that was kind of one of the selling points of moving into this apartment that we're in. Is it's across the street from a gym that we know we're going to go to all the time, and nice. we work out a bunch of days a week. So that's something that was a huge selling point. Well, and your wife has this in common with you. You both like to work out then. Yeah, I'm really grateful that we, you know, we will, I actually would just, um, we just celebrated our one year anniversary. And so nice. one of the things that we thank you, one of the things that we did is we read our vows to each other again. And one of the things that I wrote in my vows to her and is that I really admire that she has a healthy lifestyle, because that for me is very, very important. You know, that's super important to me as a person. And I think my life would be much different and much more difficult if she didn't share that with me. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it would be. And so what do you do as far as like, do you do anything like running or, or swimming or anything like that in addition to the gym workouts that you talked about? So I don't run because I'm not, I don't love running. But one of the things that I have on my list to do is to become a, to learn how to swim. Like I can swim to save my life, but not swim for sport. And so mm -hmm. I actually, um, I'm glad that you mentioned that now that it's getting a little bit colder. One of the things on my list to do during the winter is to take some swimming lessons at my gym and learn how to swim for sport or not, not to be competitive, but at least just to have another thing to do for working out. Because uh, I always like to mix it up. So uh, I don't know how to swim yet for sport, but I'm hoping to be able to in the next couple months. I had decided to do that just around 2019. And then, of course, nice. you know what happened. <laughs> but uh, all, you know, the gym's closed and everything else. But yeah. uh, like I, I like swimming, but I'm just terrible at at coordinating my breathing as I swim, which is mm. the, the whole thing about swimming that you have to do, <laughs> you, know, you know, but I do yep. run and I, I like running a lot. Um, nice. I, I enjoy that. So I get out for an hour every day and I either run or walk some, I don't run every day, but, but, nice. I, but I do walk every day for sure if I don't run. And, and I just find that that just really is good for me. And, and I, it keeps me feeling fantastic to be honest. Nice. What is it about running that you like, or why do you choose running over anything else that you could do? Well, one is I can do it right here where I live. I live out in the country and it's beautiful and I can, mm. you know, I can just run down the road. It's about uh, six, seven kilometers. So 14 nice. kilometers total, you know, and wow. I don't know what that is in miles. That's probably... I think it's I like know, nine miles 10, or something. Yeah, nine or 10. Yeah. Something like that. And so... It just really feels good. You know, I just I just find that it feels really enjoyable. And I, I only started doing it a couple of years ago. Wow. Uh, I never thought I would ever want to run anywhere, <laughs> you know, at all. <laughs> and then I started with the walking. And then after a little while, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just run a bit, you know. And I just kind of did it gradually, you know. Nice. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. That's, you know, and it's never too late to start working out. I would, no. that's what I would always tell my members when they had joined my health clubs. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy for you that you found that, uh, cause I, I think that that's going to really improve your life dramatically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really does. As we move forward in the interview, Rob, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who's one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Oh man, my wife, she really helps Sounds me out like with that it. a lot. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So inspiring to have a partner, a life partner who, 
you know, not only inspires you with mindfulness, but also, you know, with getting fit and remaining fit and all that kind of thing. Yeah, that's, I'm that's really great. grateful for her. Mm-hmm. My second question is about emotions. And uh, so tell me about how mindfulness has affected how you deal with your emotions. Oh, man, this is, um, well, you, uh, meditation has helped me be less reactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for you sure. said you wanted a three three word answer, so that, I'm yeah. trying to keep it pretty brief. But yeah, I mean, well, I said thirty second answer. So oh, thir- oh, 30 second. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay. no, that's yeah. okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah thirty yeah. second answer. Yeah, yeah. So I recently started meditating. Uh, I will say re- meditating regularly because I've tried mm-hmm. in the past and I failed miserably. And yeah. I don't meditate every day, but I'm meditating more often, and I really believe that. Uh, when I do that, my day is much more positive and I just, like I said, I'm less reactive and much more able to take on stress throughout my day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about breathing. So is there a, a certain technique you use for breathing or a comment about breathing that you'd like to share with us where maybe that has helped you in your life and especially related to mindfulness? Absolutely. So two different things. One is I actually did some breathwork sessions with someone in Denver when my wife and I lived there. And it Mm -hmm. absolutely, it was like a psychedelic experience without psychedelics. It was unbelievable. I absolutely thought it was a game changer. And I was so grateful uh, during the first session that I cried halfway through, like it was so amazing. And, um, and then the other thing that I do is uh, I take th- uh, breaths three seconds in and pause and five seconds out and pause. So the entire mm-hmm. breath is 10 seconds. And that really helps me calm down and, and activate my parasympathetic nervous system. And I do that um, actually before my workouts and uh, at, at different times throughout the day. Awesome. Any books that you can recommend that are related to mindfulness? Oh, man. Um, so I think... The book that I recommend the most by far, and it really has absolutely changed my life, I cannot say enough, was The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. And here's the way that I put it. It's like there's life before this book and there's life after this book. And once you read the book and if you really understand what's in there, you can never look at humans the same again. It's like a... It's like um, it's like having X-ray vision for human emotion and motivation and desires and needs after you read the book. It's nuts. It's that amazing. Very very cool. How long ago did you read that book for the first time? So well, it's interesting that my wife uh, recommended me to, to read it, and I we ignored her a bunch of times, and she just kept telling me she's like, "You have to read this." I'm like, "Okay." So I read it about three years ago, okay. and ever since then, it. I, it it's really been a game changer. I am really uh, an incredible book. That's awesome. And I don't think anybody on the show out of almost 800 guests, I don't think anybody has recommended that book before. So I'm fascinated to order it and read it myself. The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. Yes. Cool. I love that. I, I love learning from people like you, you know, about things like this, because, you know, that's that's what it's all about is getting ideas and uh, concepts and stuff that can really make a difference in your life. And I think, you know, I, I think, Rob, you're very understated as a human being, you know, mm. with all that you've accomplished and and all that you've learned. And you just seem like so personable and so easy to talk to. And and uh, I can really learn a lot from people like you. So I appreciate you. 
Well, thank for you sure. for saying that, Bruce. That really means yeah. a lot. And I'm, I'm, that's very, very kind of you. Oh, yeah. Well, totally. Uh, my next question is about uh, apps. And we already talked about apps a little bit. Do you have any apps you would recommend that we haven't mentioned already? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, uh, no is the answer because I recommend that you, here's what I recommend is that instead of thinking about what app you want, you go through your phone and delete apps you don't use. <laughs> and and uh, and the other thing and the other thing that has been a game changer for me is if you go into your notifications and then remove almost all notifications, which is something that almost nine in ten people have never done. Yeah, that is absolutely a way to get back some um, time and discipline and be less distracted and spend more time with the people you matter that, that matter most. Oh, totally. I agree with that for sure. Yeah, I don't like all those notifications going off, you know. Like, I mean, there's certain stuff that you need to remember, like right. when you have a podcast interview. That's important. Of course, of course. <laughs> but yeah, all that other stuff. There's so much stuff that really doesn't matter. And we have to be able to decipher what matters and what doesn't matter, right? Right. And that's why, you know, you each person can choose, hey, like these things are most relevant to me. I'm going to leave those notifications on. But the average person probably has 80% of the notifications that they have on there. They don't need, right? They just, yeah. they're just on there because they're on there. <laughs> yeah. So and just by the way, I want to be really clear about something. Uh, my stance on everything, and I don't want to come across as anti-technology because I'm not. I'm a nerd. I love technology. So I'm not anti-technology. I'm pro-humanity. I just want listeners to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's awesome. Pro pro humanity. Yeah. So that makes sense why your podcast or sorry, why your your website is humansfirst.us because mm. you believe that humans should be first and and you know a lot of times we just get mixed up, don't we? And we start putting other things first instead of other humans. Mhm. Mm Absolutely. Yeah. And that and that's, you know, that's I I think that it's it's so easy for us today to get caught up in all these digital things that seem to matter. And I'm not saying that uh, they none of them matter, but uh, you know, 50,000 years ago when we were cavemen and cavewomen, we did three things. We hunted, we fished, or we hunted, we gathered, and we socialized. And, mm -hmm. you know, look at how much of our time today is spent doing those things versus 50,000 years ago. It's totally different. Yeah, it is completely different. Uh, you know, I always appreciate my wife and and how she puts socialization way up there. She's a critical care nurse. She's a trauma nurse. Wow. So, you know, through COVID, she's been, you know, nursing a lot of COVID patients. And, and I mean, I can't even imagine how that must be. But then she gets off work. She leaves it behind. She walks away. And then she thinks about who she's going to have coffee with and who she's going to hang out with. And, and that's, that's what really feeds her. So I really yeah. hear what you're saying. You know, we have to put humans first for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, my wife and I have been talking a lot about how, you know, I don't, uh, and I, I enjoyed zoom better than, you know, nothing or better than a phone call. But to me though, you still cannot replace this face-to-face -face human interaction. Like I wish that we could have done this podcast in person somehow. Right. Totally. totally. That's something that I would have really enjoyed. Me too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Well, as we uh, get close to the end of the episode, the podcast interview here, I want to ask you if you have any final words of advice for our audience. And I know you will because uh, you've, you've, you're all about putting humans first. 
Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that we, you know, my wife and I thought was so meaningful that we, uh, you know, share this with our guests at a toast in our wedding. So the amount of love, success, and happiness in this world are infinite. And so imagine how much love, success, and happiness we could all have together if we all decided to put humans first. Wow. I love that. That's beautiful. Rob, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you, and uh, I want to thank you for what you're doing for humans and helping them and, and just making a difference by doing all your work with companies and, and, and helping people understand that it's okay to work less. And, you know, four-day work weeks make perfect sense. Yeah, thank you so much, Bruce. Really, again, appreciate you having me on. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have chatted with you today. You're welcome. All the best. Bye now. Bye-bye. I want to thank Athletic Greens for being my sponsor. Athletic Greens offers this product called AG1, and it is a product that you mix with water, and it uh, provides you with so many nutrients. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no awful chemicals or artificial ingredients. It supports better sleep and better alertness, it just uses the best products based on the latest science and it costs less than $3 a day. And if you buy using my affiliate link, you'll get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. So this affiliate link uh, benefits me, it benefits you. Just go to athleticgreens.com mindfulness. And with that, Take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.